Listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast, your new favorite podcast for everything Bills and Sabres. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast, your favorite podcast for all things Bills and Sabres, with the pals, just Nigel and Jake this evening. Episode 21 coming at you. Quick reminder to everybody to follow our social medias. That's at Let's Go Buff Pod, Buff with two Fs. You can find us with that handle on Instagram and X. Let's say hello to my partner in crime this evening, Jake. How you doing, brother? Hey, hey, I'm great. Getting ready for the holidays. Feeling yeah, good. Man. Things are slowing down. Yeah, can't wait to spend some time uh, relaxing next week. How about you? You coming, you coming to? Uh, you coming to Rochester next week? No, going down to Jersey to spend it with uh, my, my wife's family. Ah, nice, dude. Very yeah. cool. How about you? How you doing? What do you got going on for? for I'm good, bro. Just trying to, uh, as a teacher, get through this. The the week before break, dude, is like just the most throwaway week of all time, dude. Like the kids are, the kids are ready for break. All the teachers are ready for break, but like the behavior just gets like that much worse, dude. And it is just like, like we're all struggling, guys. Let's just. I'll try and be on our best behavior and get through this together. And for the kids, it's just like, they're like, no, we're going to be, we're going to be terrible the whole time. Absolute so, tyrants. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty brutal, dude. We're, uh, <laughs> we're just, we're just Nigel and Jake tonight um, because Tom as a, as a teacher is really, really in the thick of it this week. He's got concerts with his middle school bands and stuff. And I believe tonight he's, planning to speak very eloquently, no doubt, to the Board of Education at his school. So good luck with that, Tom. Um, and that's, yeah, he's he's got a he's got a busy one this week. So Jake and I are going to hold down the fort. That is one theory. And in, in my mind, though, I, I think Tom might actually be Santa Claus. He's out beavering away, wrapping presents and all Dude, that shit before uh, he delivers them. Could you imagine like this whole time Tom is he's the one he's Santa. He gets suspiciously quiet the week before Christmas. He not, does, not to, dude. He does get a little MIA. You're not kidding. Not to put my tinfoil hat on, but I, the evidence is there. Yeah, dude. I'm in agreement with you 100%. And Kay, I mean, Katie would make a killer Mrs. Claus, dude. Like, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. She, uh, yeah, I, I hear you. It's it's all right there before we're, us. We're on to something, dude, for sure. <laughs> all right, homie. Well, sure. What do you say? Should we crack a beverage here? I think we should. Let's I do think it, we buddy. Should. I'll count us down. Ready? Three. Two, one. Nice. Tried to get a good crack in there. Yeah, you sure did, buddy. What you are you drinking there? I have from Pressure Drop Brewing in Buffalo, a West Coast inspired brewery. Uh, it's called Not a Football Beer. Wink, wink, because it's decked out in Bill's uh, imagery. Nice. But uh, it's a nice crisp lager. They're a great brewery. Check them out. What is it called? Pressure Drop Brewing. Pressure Drop. Man, there's Buffalo has so many breweries over there, dude. I can't even keep track. There's some great ones, man. Yeah. There really That's are. Really I, haven't, I haven't even had that. I haven't even heard of that one either, which is upsetting to me. Well, I am drinking uh, a pretty a pretty standard beverage here. Just a f- good old Fiddlehead IPA. You got to love them, dude. Just a, yeah, just the Fiddlehead flagship IPA. My, um, my girlfriend's brother digs these a lot. Last time we were hanging out... Um, these were what we were drinking, and uh, it's a nice, it's a nice beer, dude. So yeah, yeah, they're a great brewery. They got some good, good stuff they're up in Vermont, Tom's neck right? of the woods. Yeah, 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 cool, awesome, dude. All right, folks. Well, we are gonna do. We got a bunch to talk about, um, and we decided that we're gonna start with the less good vibes um, in terms of the the hockey team from Buffalo. Holy shit, do the Sabers absolutely suck? Um, Games that they've played since the last podcast, two losses, lost 2-0 to Arizona, ew, and then lost 9, yup, you heard me, 9-4 to to the bottom five Columbus Blue Jackets. Current record on December 20th puts them at 13-17-3. They are seventh in the division. They are currently six points out of a playoff spot. Money Puck currently has the Sabres with a 7.4. That is a single seven 
0.4%, so less than 8%, chance to make the playoffs. Hi, yeah, yeah, Jake, you got any uh, prevailing thoughts that you'd like to bring to the table with the Sabres right now? Well, it's not it's not great, that's for sure. And it's it's funny how quickly things can change. Like um, we recorded just a couple of days ago, they were coming off a 5-2 win over Vegas and uh, you know, the we were talking about the past five games during that podcast where they had three wins, one overtime, one loss and one overtime loss. So they're collecting seven of a possible 10 points. You take that yep. every time you yep. take that every time. The troubling issue there is they, they, they kind of blew the game against Montreal, a, a team that they really should be beating at this stage in their progression. And then an ugly loss in Colorado kind of, stuck out there they weren't like that that game against Colorado was never particularly close and it made it seem like the Vegas win was kind of a, a fluke almost not not to say that they didn't play well but as, as from the grand scheme of things did not look you know it, it kind of that's the outlier and that's not where you want to be because these last two games were just downright ugly 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 games to watch yeah um, dude. It and, is. yeah go ahead yeah, no, it's it's like you, you take the seven points out of ten every time, but then it just it's just a dagger to come back off of that with two losses, um, in in ugly fashion. So it, it, things are a bit dire in Saberland right now. It's it's feeling like it, dude. And and from like so the prevailing like if we were going to summarize everything you just said with one word for me, it's just inconsistency, right? Like how do you have you have a three one win against Boston? And you have a 5-2 win over Vegas in the last, in your last five wins. Those are two of them. And it's just like, or in your last three wins, that's two of them. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, I, it's, it's absolutely, it, it's maddening, dude. Because like, how do you, how do you look, or how do you come out with W's against Boston and the defending Stanley Cup champs, right? And then like look really good in those games, but then lose the way that you're losing. I mean, dude, the game last night against Columbus, I I mean, I texted you, dude. I, I, I'll be honest, man. It is currently 4.54 p.m. I am surprised that Don Granado has a job right now. And that wow. might be that might be drastic, dude, but when you like you just you lost to Arizona two nothing, right? Yep. And the game prior. Like, okay, we've been doing that all year. Alternate win loss, win loss. Yeah, and split the season series with them, right? Like they got the win against Arizona right. in that stretch that we talked about too. Yeah, but dude, Columbus Columbus is a is a bad hockey team right now. Like, yeah. like legitimately, they are bottom five in the league and you lose to them nine to four after a two nothing loss to Arizona where you also looked very uninspired, dude. Losing nine four in your own barn wearing the goat head jerseys to a team like Columbus, who again, bottom five, dude, like, I don't know, bro, that to me. And I texted it to you. I was like, this feels like a fireable loss. Like someone, someone's head needs to be on the chopping block after this loss. And nothing happened. Nothing happened today. We watched more of the same press conferences from Donnie meatballs. I thought Kyle Ogposo last night completely missed the mark on his post game press conference dude like saying that like the boos were directed like at the last 12 years not just this season which i completely disagree with i think it is purely frustration with this season which was supposed to be a season where you make the playoffs like i don't know dude like i just can't like if something doesn't change within the next week for me like like pretty much immediately I this this season's down the toilet. Like I don't see you coming back from this one. It's it's already dire. Like there's there's you, you need to go, they, they need to go on a, a monumental like borderline historic streak to claw back into the playoffs. One hundred percent. It's no longer a well. You win a few games, you string a few together, and then you're kind of back in the race. Like they need to they need to do that for the rest of the season. And the way they're playing, it's it's just not going to happen because of the inconsistencies that you mentioned. It's um, yeah, and it's 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 frustrating because it, it last last year when they made meaningful strides towards being a competitive team, there was compete every game. There, yes, it, I, I don't care how like. 
I, I don't care if they went down by a goal, two goals, or three goals. I, I didn't count them out of pretty much any game last year. And and God, man, like some of the – often, not just a game here or there, often this year it's – well, they're down two goals. This game is is pretty much over. the The life has been sucked out of them. And I don't like. There's no easy fix. I don't know what the fix to that is. Um, well, the shitty. It, th- go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. It hit me. I I think the the shitty thing is, dude. Like, I I think when you're in a situation like this, where your team is just drastically underperforming, it is. It is the exact same situation with Ken Dorsey, dude. Or I'll say the exact same situation with the Bills. Something drastic has to happen to give everyone that slap in the face. Yeah. And that's why, like, in, in football, it's a little different because, like, you definitely can fire a coordinator, and that is the same thing. The equivalent to that in hockey is, like, like is firing Matt Ellis the, the kick that everybody needs? Like, I, I think typically, no. You yeah. Firing your assistant coach probably isn't enough. I think it's typically the head coach, dude. And I'm sorry, man, but, like, it's, like, the, the word that I think is the most important ingredient to a successful hockey team is compete, right? Yeah. You have to come in. Like, you can be a less talented team and come in and outwork a team and win hockey games. It's happened so many times, but the team coming in playing the Sabres, like the Sabres have a talented roster for the most part and they get outworked yes. often, often. Um, but, and you see it the opposite too, when they go into another team's barn and outwork the opposition, it happened against the Bruins happened against the Rangers. Like they've beat good teams on the road. Yeah. When they go in there with that kind of fuck you attitude, the, the results speak for themselves. They, they come away with wins against tough matchups. Yeah. Um, but if you're if you're not competing hard every shift, you're not going anywhere in this league. And that that is what's happening right now to a T and to a man. And I think what's really, really upsetting for me, dude, is uh, and, and maybe maybe I'll pose this question to you and see just to be curious if you have a different opinion. But like if you had to if you had to pin the guy on the team right now who shows the most consistent level of compete, who would it be? Would do you have anybody in mind? It's a good question. Uh, uh, can I give more than one? Yeah, I'll, yeah, go for it. I think the the two right now that show the most compete and and desire to to battle it out, the two names that come immediately to mind are Tage Thompson and Zach Benson. Zach Benson is the one for me, one hundred percent. And it's unfortunate that you and I on this hockey team, we both mentioned the goddamn eighteen year old rookie. Yep. Right? But here yeah. I, I see this guy. What is he? Whopping 5'9 or whatever. He's in, but dude, like he's in the dirty areas. He's in front of the net. He's getting the shit kicked out of him. But he's he's just in there, dude. And he takes it on the chin over and over every game. And he bounces right back up when he gets hit. He gets hit a lot and he gets put on his back a lot. But every time he does, dude, he fires right back up and he's right back being an absolute bitch to play against for somebody yeah and I'm he makes at, I, makes I'm life look, difficult yeah dude and i'm looking around and i'm like I, like why am i only seeing it from the from the baby on the team yeah and and it's you know i'm not i'm not trying to say every player is is you know limping it out there and not not competing but but I, i'd say those two guys are the ones that stick out to me as far as like putting their balls on the line every game game yeah, in, dude. game out and these these guys just look from top to bottom in this organization, dude, and I guess when I say top, like from Don Granado down, maybe even Kevin Adams, maybe you you could say Kevin because he didn't change any of the roster. It's just it's all fucking soft, man. Like it I just is, I'm, I'm dying to see Don Granado get fucking fired up about something. You know, send somebody a message, bench somebody. You have like the coddling has to stop, dude, and like. I know it's it's got to be a borderline impossible line to walk. Like, you don't want to bench guys for mistakes, but like, I don't know, dude. Like this 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 coddling, we're gonna learn from our mistakes and yada yada. Like, it's just not it's not working, dude. And I'm, and I'm not seeing I'm not seeing any passion from somebody. And I think that so it worked well for them last year. Of don't worry about the mistakes you make. Go out and play your game. Play hockey and. That mindset is still there, but the 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 context behind it has changed this year. Last 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 year, 
you make a mistake, it's because you're trying to create offense. You're pushing the pace of play. Yes. And you might get burned. And that happened often. We talked about it on this podcast, but the number of odd man rushes and breakaways against last year, huge, massive. So but they were born by the team trying to push and create offense. And it fucking worked all year. This year, there's been a decided shift into trying to be more conservative. And so the mistakes that are made, they're not as they're not as much a reason because of aggressive offensive transition play. They're they're a result of of yeah, that like trying to stifle opportunities at both end. And when you do make a mistake, it's ending up in the back of the net. Columbus scored nine goals on you last night. Like that's that's not an accident. <laughs> no. That's not the that's not the goalies. That's not you know the stars aligned like that. The the play that they showed last night was systemic to the year so far. Right. Uh, yeah, and yeah, so I I agree with you. Like, start you got to start holding people accountable for sloppy, uninspired play, and that has not happened no. to date. No, but no. I want to go back to what you said about Kevin Adams. Like, it's it's certainly. It's certainly an indictment on him that the team is where it is. Like he's the general manager. There's no there's no way around that. You can't you can't take the blame away from him. He 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 goes as the team goes, for sure. But I don't but the the way they played last year, I don't think there was they had needs for sure, but I don't think it was an overwhelming we need to overhaul anything. And you need, you can't force it, right? Like like I get not forcing it and and in my eyes, like they should have come back and been a comparable team to where they were last year. Maybe the offense takes a step back. Maybe the defense stays where it is. What? Maybe the goaltending stays where it is. Whatever. You still were a point out of the playoffs last year. One point. One measly goddamn point. This year they're on they're on pace for seventy three points right now. They are. Oh my god. They're seventh in their division. They're on pace for 73 points. For anyone that's unaware, 73 points is like borderline rebuilding status. You need, in the NHL, you need anywhere from 93, 94 points to 98 points to make the playoffs. 73 points is just not going to cut it any way you slice it. I, th- I think last season, 96 was what you needed to get into the playoffs. No, it was 92. They missed oh, by one it? point. Yeah, oh. one, one point. Okay. Well, I yeah, dude, it's just so yeah, to to answer your or to touch on your point there, I just this team right now to me and, and like I can't I can't dispute anything you just said. It was all factually correct. But to me what this team was and is still lacking or I guess what we actually have, we have too much of the same player. Right? Like we've got too many guys where their thing is is skill right and and you you're in an era of hockey where like your days of the guys that can only hit are over at yeah. this point everybody who's in the NHL has a has skill what we're seeing though is the disparity is probably bigger than it ever has been like when you've got you know your McDavid's and then your Keaton Colasars you know like so you have a there's a lot of disparity and the elite is more elite than it has ever have ever has been and the amount of people the amount of players you put in that elite category are more than it's ever been i think what this team is still missed like we've so we, like i said we have too many of the same player right too many of a jack quinn victor olafson casey middlestad type guy where it's just you know uh, a skill player and not a guy whose game is is circled around jam and tenacity and being a prick to play against like a Keaton Colazar, like a Nick Delorier, right? Like a Ryan Reeves. Those kind of, like, I don't feel like we have a single one of those guys. You can make a case for Zemgis Gergensen's, but I don't think he has the skill that those guys have. Like, and like, you could maybe throw an argument of Kyle Oposo. Like, I just think he's too fucking nice, dude. Like, none of these guys on our team right now, I like, can actively feel like when I look in the mirror, are guaranteed a lock to be just a bitch to play against. Like, I don't think there's a defenseman in the league that fears playing the the Sabres because he knows that every time he goes to get the puck in the corner, he's going to get fucking waxed into the boards. 
Like, that's what I'm missing on this team. And those are the kind of players that I'm looking to add. I don't, you can't win a cup without them. Look at the last several cup winners, dude. They've all got a fourth line, maybe even a third line of guys that A, can put the puck in the net, but B, opposing teams don't want to play because they are just a nightmare to play against. And that's what I was looking for, right? Get rid of a Victor Olofsson, get rid of a Tyson Jost, bring in some of these guys for the bottom six that will score you, you know, I don't know, a handful, like every 10 games you're looking for, I don't know, three, four goals out of this line, right? Yeah. Maybe that's not too crazy, but every night are just a nightmare to play against that guys, you know, Charlie McAvoy has to go, fuck, I got to play against that guy tonight. He's going to beat my ass in the boards. He's going to be a nightmare in front of the net. And that's what I that's what I mean when I talk about the roster, like just coming back and being the same. We have none of those players, I feel like. Yeah, no, I, I agree with the premise for sure. The 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 players you named and specifically, I don't know if I agree with. I, I I would not want any three of those guys on on the Sabers, but that and, and and but but you know like the the guys that I am thinking of that are nasty, mean, competitive, and can still chip in some goals. Those guys don't grow on trees. Nope. Um, but yeah, I, I I agree with you. They the the mindset of the team is soft right now. There is they're easily shaken, and there's no coming back from that right now. They 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 cannot outscore their problems like they have done in the past, and it's showing on in the win loss columns. Yeah, um, it's but yeah. Just... You, you need you need depth, and you need size, and you need compete to win hockey games in the regular season. And everything triples when it comes to the playoffs. So. Like if this if this if if they started the playoffs tomorrow and the Sabers made it, I, I would I would put my life savings on them getting swept the way they're playing. Oh yeah, and, without and second thought. Like right now, dude, the the only couple players that I feel like their style of game is going to translate beautifully to the playoffs are Rasmus Dahlin and Zach Benson. And yeah, that, that's that's honestly it. I honestly, dude, like you want to know what I would love to see? You mentioned Tage Thompson, Jake, and I I feel like he is a he's pretty aggressive in his forecheck and I think he's a good penalty killer but man like would you agree he's a leader on this team right now 100% yeah I like dude I and and you know don't take a penalty it's easier said than done but god dude like in the on a first shift I would just pay any amount of money to see Tomer go out there and just fucking blow someone up to just get the boys going man like yeah. Like and and I say I pick a guy like Tate Thompson because it doesn't mean as much when it's a Kyle Clifton. You know, or no, whatever. Agreed. It, it, yeah, like it just like like he's aggressive. He's got two, three, four solid hits every game. Absolutely. He's so yeah, he's bad physical. defensively that who gives a shit? He's bad defensively and he's horrible in transition. Exactly. He, not dude. nothing happens to the neutral zone that's positive in the Sabres favor when he's when he's on the ice. A hundred percent. So like I'm dying for a guy like Tage Thompson or a Casey Middlestat, right? Make a point to go out there and fucking level someone first shift. Send a message not only to your teammates, but to the opposing team. Yeah. Like that's the kind of shit that I'm looking for right now. I think Clifton and Johnson were both brought in over the offseason for that reason, to kind of get some grit in the back end and 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 do exactly what you're talking about. Kind of set a physical tone for the team but and and they've done that to a degree but it's just it's not translating to any positive results at all no and, but, and the the other problem with that is like the, the other problem with with that there I, I just totally lost my train of thought Fuck, i tried to repeat <laughs> it to bring it back it's it's gone shit it's gone mind. back to whatever you were saying <laughs> no it's all good it's all good um yeah, they, the, the, those two players just haven't been a difference maker for the team with the regression of the forwards. And oh, I like got Tage it. Thompson, oh, hit it, hit it. I, let, I got it. it. So it's it's great that those guys are physical, but the physicality can't come at the cost of just being piss poor defensively and in transition, like you said. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, and it it unfortunately has been the case. Yeah, um, yeah. I just just it. The, it's, it comes back down to are these guys ready to play it night in and night out? And it just does not seem like it. It seems like there's flukes where they are showing their full range of talent, but it's few and far between. Yeah. Um, so, it, I mean, it leads to the discussion of are we going to see a coaching change in the next week or so? Um, 
who's better to replace. There are some, one in particular, but some other recent firings of who might be out there. Um, but look, Don, Donnie Granato is the ninth longest tenured coach in the NHL. Like it's a, it's a league that moves quickly through coaches. Yep. Um, he and was just hired in 2021. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very much a league, especially with coaches that it's, it's always, what have you done for me lately? Recency yeah. bias in hockey is, is probably to a fault, like crazy bad. Um, but it, it is the way it all goes, man. Like, I mean, you just watched a guy like Craig Berube get fired as a Stanley Cup winning coach. Yeah. You know? Um, I So he didn't get fired today, right? So he's probably safe for the time being. I Jake, how many more, like, so, because cause you're, you're way more tame on this than I am. I'm officially in the, like, thank you for getting the guys to where they are, Donnie, but this is unacceptable. I'm, I'm firmly right now in the fire Don Granato camp. I know you're more tame on that, though. What more would you need to see to to join me in that in that bucket? I'm more tame, perhaps, but not not by much. Uh, and the the reasoning is just like I said, they're on a 73 point pace right now to finish the season. Two years ago was Donnie's first season as a head coach. They finished fifth in the division with 75 points. The next season, they jumped up to 91 points, missed the playoffs by a single point. The difference here, though, and then and then now this year projected to finish with 73 points. The difference between this season and two seasons ago, there is so much more talent on this roster today than there was on that team that finished with 75 points two years ago. Jacob Bryson, Cody Eakin, Mark Pissick, Vinny Hinestroza, Anders Bjork, John, John Hayden. All of those players played 55 or more games for Buffalo in that season, and they still finished with 75 points. Only one of those players still plays in the National Hockey League. Like, like there, there is just, it's an objective fact that there is more skill and talent on this team now, and they're performing worse. And so to, to me, like that That's spells coaching, coaching yeah. absolutely being ready to play against your opponent. It's, it's, it sounds simple, and it is. It's a simple fucking game. Put the puck in the net. Keep it out of ours. Um, so uh, I... To go back to your question of what more do I need to see, I think the game tomorrow night is going to be telling. Uh, that's Thursday, December 21st. The Sabres host Toronto at home, which oh. is essentially a road game. But given you, know all what, the- you know what's going to, you know, you know, you know what's going to happen, Jake. Tell me right now what is going to happen in that game tomorrow. The app, the knuckleheads are going to come storming south yep. and fill the Buffalo Sabres arena with Toronto Maple Leaf fans. I'm fully expecting uh, – I, I think Buffalo will step up, and I think this is what you were getting at, because they really like playing against Toronto in a division matchup and sticking it to them, which I love to watch. But I think it, I, I think it gives them more legs to go with Don Granato as coach. I think, I think if they lose the game in anything other than a close game tomorrow night, I think that could be the, the, the final – Bell, toll, yeah. whatever. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I think that might do it. I'm calling Cer- it, certainly for me. I'm calling uh, and, it right now, dude. We're gonna beat the fucking Maple Leafs like six to one. Like, like, like that's what's gonna end up happening. And then everyone once again, and it's not gonna be me this time. I did it again after Vegas. I am not gonna bite the hook when they kick the shit out of Toronto tomorrow night. Because do you know who we play next after that? I sure do. The New York Rangers leading their division. Perfect. We're probably going to beat them too. When's the when's the whatever the next mediocre to bad team is? That's who we're going to lose like seven to one against. Well, then- hold on. <laughs> so they play Toronto tomorrow night. Then they play the Rangers. Then they play Boston oh, right after Jesus Christmas. Christ. And then the next mediocre team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, who just dropped nine on you at home. Hmm. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, yeah, maybe my maybe my thought process is wrong then. Maybe they're looking at that schedule and they're going, fuck, and then Toronto just waxes them tomorrow night. You're right though, dude. It doesn't even have to be a win. They're in hockey, man, like hockey's so fluky. So is football, but hockey's so fluky. There's a there's a good and a bad way to lose. Like, I, I truly mean that. Like yeah. if if we were if we had the same record right now, 
but we were losing games the right way, I'd still be in, dude. I'd still be like, we're going to turn this shit around. But the it's the way that we're losing that is so horrendously bad. So I agree with you, man. As long as like as long as we can show some compete and we are skating with Toronto, like that's the, the eye test in hockey is so huge. You can't always look at the scores. Yeah. It's you like yeah, you just gotta follow the follow your, your eye test there. I don't know, man, but hundred percent. Yeah, I mean stats are great. They don't always tell the full story. I think in this case that we're talking about, I think they do tell a, a telling story. Um, just because they're, 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 it's not like they're losing games in a good way. They're losing a lot of games in a bad way. Yeah. Um, they can't string a win streak together to save their lives. I think they have two win streaks this year, each of two games. Um, it's not a sustainable way to, to make the playoffs as a team. Yeah. Jake, you've got um, some, you've got some really great, um, discussion points here that are comparisons from this year to last year did you want to touch on any of those let's yeah let's do that and then let's move on to the bills yep uh, i'm down so through 33 games last season and this season a little bit of a comparison last year second in the league in goals for with 132 this year they're 20th in the league with 94 that's 38 less goals through 33 games so about a goal plus per game that yep. they are not scoring um, and pretty much tied in the amount of goals that they've given up. Um, however, they were 18th in goals against last year. They're 29th in goals against this year. So a similar number of raw goals against, but relative to the league, they're giving up a lot more goals than, than other teams. Um, we've talked about it all year, but the power play has been putrid. Through 33 games last year, they were second in the NHL with 29.4% power play conversion. This year, have that. It's down to 14, and they're 27th in power play percent with all the, the talent that's on the roster. That's fucking it's crazy. inexcusable. Inexcusable, bro. Um, I wanted to touch on goalies real quick. Last year, Craig Anderson... UPL and Eric Comrie were your three goalies. This year it's UPL, Devin Levi, Eric Comrie. Um, look, Craig Anderson was a, a great goalie throughout his career. He was performing well last year. That that definitely propped them up in a few games. But I wouldn't say that he's been the, the number one difference maker. But I wanted to call out the that essentially goaltending hasn't changed too much for Buffalo. Um, you're, I'm not pointing the finger at the Sabres' lack of success at goaltending at all. Nope. Um, it's it's team play that's that's condemning the goalies to to poor stats in my mind. Yeah, and if people are blaming the goalies, if 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 you're listening to this and you hear, if you first of all, if you are blaming the goalies, you're unintelligent. And B, if you're listening to people blame the goalies, you need to assume that they are unintelligent. Continue. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> and, then, and then last thing, just on like the offense and scoring, um, eleven players last year. And 11 players this year have 10 plus points through 33 games. Decent depth scoring. The issue is that last year we had five players that had 30 plus points through 33 games. Uh, and, and Tage Thompson had 50 points alone last year. Fast forward to this year through 33 games, zero, zero players are at a point per game pace. No one on the roster has 30 plus points. A defenseman, albeit a very good defenseman, Rasmus Dahlin, is leading the team in points. I need the forwards to step the fuck up. Yeah. Um, the top line of, of Tuck, Thompson, and Skinner has not looked the same this year yeah. at all. Um, as far as so, – so I want to talk about expected – or sorry, sorry, I want to talk about goals for percentage, which is basically a measure of when you're on the ice – which team has a better chance of scoring a goal? That's that's an easy way to look at it. Um, if you're at 50%, then there's an even chance of both teams scoring a goal. If you're at 100%, then your team is only scoring. The other team is absolutely not. So anything above 50 is good. Last year, the top five players on the team, Tuck, Skinner, Thompson, Samuelson, Dahlin. That's your top forward line, and that's your top defensive pair. And each of those players was above 60% for on-ice goals, 4%. Two guys, almost at 70. Yeah. This year, no player tops over 60%. 
And every player that I just mentioned is not on this list. <laughs> so the top line and the top defensive pair have completely fallen off the map for whatever reason. But this this year, it's J.J. Paterka, Ryan Johnson, a rookie, Casey Middlestat, Dylan Cousins, Henry Okiharyu. And, really, and some of those players are barely cracking 50. Yeah, I'm really surprised to see Dylan Cousins there, if I'm being honest, because I truly felt like this season he's been he's been bad. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I would like he's he's regressed from last year for sure. But uh, it's also discounting the fact that he had a, a huge breakout season last year. Like he was he was all over the place. He was tenacious. I haven't seen that from him this year. He's been yeah neutered in a lot of ways. Like he's he's been invisible on the ice for many for long stretches. Whereas last year he put up a lot of points, but he was also very good defensively yeah. and in transition. And he's he's just been invisible on the ice for long stretches. So I wanna I wanna touch on that real quick, and then I'll, and then I agree. Let's get into the bills. But what the, yeah. the reason yeah. I wanna touch on that is because you mentioned the fact that he had a big breakout last year, as did Tage Thompson, obviously, right? Um, going into this season, after the off season was pretty much done. And the only guys that the Sabres had added were Johnson and Clifton. Um, I know you're not a big after the whistle guy, but one of the things they do weekly is bring on Thomas Vanek, who is, mm-hmm. I think, very intelligent, definitely smarter than Petey and Craig Ravain, no doubt. Um, <laughs> but one of the things that he said was, you're, you're, Kevin Adams and Don Granato are taking a huge gamble because by not changing the roster at all, they are banking on continued or even elevated breakout seasons. And he said that is a dangerous game to play. And here it is. Tage yeah. Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Jeff, like Jeff Skinner's still even been solid, but he was a freak last year. Like, you know, you, you we're getting bit in the ass banking on those continued massive breakout seasons. And, both of those guys, you, Tage, maybe you can blame a little bit on injury. Like, both of those guys have fallen tremendously short of keeping that pace. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, buddy. Should we get into some some lighter conversations here? Yeah, let's let's change to a sunnier topic. How about that win against the Cowboys? Yeah, dude. So week fifteen, the Bills kicked the shit out of the Dallas Cowboys, thirty-one to ten. For my money, the most dominant win the Bills have had since the Bills-Patriots playoff game a couple years ago where they literally played a perfect game. Um, But, man, I'll tell you what, dude. It has been a long, long time since I've watched this Buffalo Bills team just absolutely take the will out of another team by out-physicaling them. That's great English, right? By <laughs> being that much more physical than the other team, right, dude? Um, yeah, that was. Is. I mean, it was it was incredible to watch, dude. It was like I wanted to run through a goddamn wall, dude. And like I've never seen, I've never seen a defense look as as like just broken mentally as as the Cowboys did that game. Yeah, for sure. They they did. They looked dejected. Uh, fairly early on i feel like even at the end of the first half it was like what what are we going to do against these guys yeah it was um, it was just oh my god it, it was it was so much fun to watch dude obviously yeah. you have to immediately shout out james goddamn cook dude i Oof. mean what a he's been he's been breaking out more and more as the season has gone on particularly since joe brady's taken over but, yeah. Oh my God, dude! If you're a football fan and you didn't know about James Cook, you sure as hell do now, dude. What a dominant game from him, man! I mean, how sick was he to watch? Yeah, he was incredible. The one, the, there was one play that really stuck out to me. Uh, I can't remember exactly when it was, but he he was kind of he grabbed he got the ball. He was looking for a lane and kind of found it, but then backtracked and and took a bunch of Dallas defenders to the outside. I, I don't know if you remember what I'm talking about just from that horrible description, but <laughs> it was it was something that it looked like it was going to be a dead play where, okay, maybe they gain a yard, maybe they get to the line of scrimmage. And then he fought and tooth and nail to get seven, eight yards, and it just it set up the next sequence, right? So, yeah. Yeah, he was incredible. Yeah, for man. Sure. He, his, his, his patience in letting his blocks get set up, 
his vision to attack the right hole. And dude, just his, just, I think this is kind of more what you were talking about. Just his pure, unrelenting athleticism and speed, dude. I mean, you watch him get to the outside, forget it, man. You, I don't care, I don't care who is in your secondary. You don't have someone that can keep up with James Cook in space. He, yeah, like, dude, he's racehorse. just, yeah, he's so fast, dude. And like, don't forget he's out there against other professional football players, dude. And he's making them look slow. Yeah. It was, I mean, if you if he had one blemish that game, it was the drop touchdown pass. But outside of that, dude, like he was just he was just inspiring to watch. And I'll tell you what, dude, no running back is doing any of that without an unreal game by the offensive line. Oh my god, dude. Again, just like so fun to watch these guys just beat the shit out of other grown ass men, dude. Like it was it was it was inspiring to watch that dude. Just like got me so hyped watching Deion Dawkins block guys twenty five yards down the field. Like it just it just gets you going, and I feel like the whole team. How do you not feed off that, dude? Yeah, right. The tr- like the, the, tr- the trenches win you games. Hundred percent, dude. I and, and I'm so I'm thankful that I'm thankful that Brandon Bean signed Connor McGovern this year, dude. And and I think. A really big thing that that did. I, Deion Dawkins is playing the best football of his career, and I think one of the main reasons that is happening is because for one of the first times in his time as as a Bills player, he's got consistency and solid guard play to his right in mm-hmm. Connor McGovern. And I think when you have a guy like that that you have good timing with, good rapport with, you trust, it just allows you to take your game to the next level. So flowers to Brandon Breen for making that signing right there that was that was awesome um yeah speaking of um you know administration i guess if you will with the football team um i you have to give sean mcdermott his flowers man i mean was there a hotter offense in the nfl aside from maybe san francisco than dallas coming into that game no tom went through the the Counting stats last week of the Cowboys' offense, and they, yeah, were, dude. they were lights out and They've held them to a set, uh, t- held them to ten points. But one of those was a, a garbage yeah, time touchdown with like a minute scrubs. left. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. to me, that I, I'm, I'm not counting that touchdown. You allowed Dak Prescott and company three points. Yeah. I mean, what an unreal game from Sean McDermott, dude. I you, you have to like if you were someone that was calling for his head two weeks ago, me pointing to myself you're an idiot right and you're feeling stupid right now so i, I mean yeah dude like his and it but it was like it was one sample size it's got to continue right but like he never got there was not a moment where he got out coached by mike mccarthy in that game which was awesome to see his blitzes were well timed his stunts that he was calling which uh, to remind everybody stunts are when like you have a defensive end crash inside and then immediately after the closest defensive tackle runs to the outside. So it's just like crossing. It's meant to confuse the offensive line, but he was running stunts with linebackers and DNs, dude. Like his, his stunt designs, blitz designs, timing of his blitz calls were absolutely outstanding. He was just, he was a treat to watch go to work last week. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. Props to him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Go ahead, Jake. I would say like, I think he even admitted it himself, but, but Josh Allen, Probably not his best game. This one's not going down in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, uh, catacombs for Josh Allen best games. But still, that's that they found a way to dominate almost despite that. Like obviously, he played a huge part in the win, but it wasn't like he took over this game and, and made it his own, right? So, one, do you agree with that? And two, talk to me about Joe Brady. Like, what's 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 going well in the offense that he's contributing to, uh, and and why were they able to win? with Josh Allen's not putting up hero numbers. Right. So first of all, yeah, totally agree with you, dude. It was, it was not a good, his stat line was, you know, like 90, 12 or, or I think it was like nine of 15 or something like that. And he threw for 94 yards and a touchdown. Um, if you had told me that that was his stat line, I'm predicting that the bills lost that game by 40. Truthfully. <laughs> yeah, um, I hear you. But so it was, it was really great. It was great to see us win without asking Josh Allen to be a hero because I feel like all we do 
is demand that Josh Allen is a hero week in and week out. And that's, I mean, that's, I to me, not a recipe for long-term success, right? And I'm not sure it's a recipe that can get you a championship. You have to be able to win in other ways. You can't just become a one-trick pony. So to watch the offense win the game the way that they did this past weekend was just awesome. And yeah, dude, like a couple rough moments from Josh Allen even, like missing wide-open guys that could have been touchdowns. You know, there was a couple instances of that. So to piggyback off of that, I want to – this is the one negative that I have written down about Joe Brady, and it's that there does still seem to be some disconnect in the pass concepts right now. They're like we saw what happened with Josh Allen and Gabe Davis a couple weeks ago um, in the Eagles game, right? Like just that miscommunication there. Josh Allen, it looks to like when I watch film, it looks to me like he sees the guys that are open and is actively making a decision to not throw to them. And I'm mm. imagining there has to be a reason for that. And I want to know what it is. And more importantly, I want him and Joe Brady to find a way to iron it out. We're, we've seen yeah. it a couple times in each game that Joe Brady has called. And the stakes are getting too big for that to continue. And I really, really, really just want to see those pass, passing concepts get cleaned up a little bit. So Here's hoping, yeah. yeah. Shuffled into a new role halfway through the season, hopefully yeah, on dude, the fly. Like, the the shit that, that we're seeing is shit that's supposed to get worked out in training camp, you know? Yeah, so yeah. you just have to hope that it gets fixed on time, I guess is not, the big thing. Not to mention against the Dallas Cowboys defense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is a good defense. Like, let's not forget about that too. Like the, that, that secondary is a good secondary. It's a good defense. Um, but dude, like Joe Brady still, the, the biggest thing that I loved from this game, he did not try and fix what wasn't broken, dude. There's plenty of clips going on on Twitter showing he ran the exact same fucking run play five times in a row because Dallas showed no signs of being able to stop it. Right? So, like, yeah. just leaning into what's working. Right? He said in his presser, did he anticipate running the ball 50-some-odd times, whatever it was? No. But it wasn't it, – it was working, and there wasn't a reason to move away from it because for whatever reason – Dan Quinn decided to do his best Sean McDermott impression and make no kind of adjustment. So, (laughs) like, if it was working, there's no reason to stop. And that was shit that drove me fucking crazy about Ken Dorsey. When shit was working, he wouldn't go back to it, particularly with James Cook. By the way, you think Ken Dorsey's hanging out at home going, gee, man, maybe I should have... Schemed number four into the game a little bit more. This guy's pretty fucking good. Yeah. Why did no one tell me? My God, dude. So um, one of the things that I want to touch on here is the, the Bills bread and butter running play is, is, is a run to the outside. It's called tackle wrap, right? And the reason it's called tackle wrap is because the tackle pulls and wraps to the outside and kicks out whatever defender is immediately in threat of tackling the ball carrier, right? Up to this point in the season, nine times out of ten, Deion Dawkins is that pulling tackle, and that play is just running to the right no matter what. This week, and I think this is a brilliant call because what is Spencer Brown's best attribute as a football player? It's his off-the-charts insane athleticism. We ran tackle wrap to the opposite side, which was important in this game. Why? Because Micah Parsons, who's probably a top three defensive end in the league, always not always, but most often was lining up over Spencer Brown. So what were we doing? You leave Micah Parsons completely alone, you run to the opposite side, and you take the athletic freak that is Spencer Brown, and you make him be the wrapping tackle and beat the shit out of whoever's over there. And oh my God, did it work tremendously, dude. It worked so well. Such a great call to use Spencer Brown's strengths to his advantage, to the team's advantage, right? Like, yeah. and it's And I'm sitting here going like, why the hell didn't Ken Dorsey do that? Like, what a no goddamn brainer play. And the cool thing with that is it opens the door for more things, right? So one of the other things I have written down here is the run schemes were married to the pass schemes. And what I mean by that is we were running out of the same formations that we were passing, right? So there wasn't a formation or a personnel grouping that gave away what we were planning to do, right? Which is so, 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 so important. We had running plays out of 10 personnel, which is one running back, no tight ends. We had running or running plays out of 11 personnel, one running back, one tight end. Running plays out of uh, 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, and 22 personnel, two running backs, two tight ends. Right? So, like, 
there's nothing that you can put out there that gives away what you're about to do. And, oh, yeah, we ran passing plays out of all those as well. So, like, it's, you know, it's just Joe Brady doing intelligent things, making it difficult on the opposing defenses, dude. It's just, some of it is, it's so cool to watch, but it's also, like, duh. Like, why, like, isn't this kind of, like, exactly what you're supposed to do as the OC? You know, still using motion to Josh Allen's advantage. You know, Josh Allen's able to see if the defense is going to be in some kind of a man, some kind of a zone and adjust plays based on that, which is free freedom he didn't seem to have with Ken Dorsey. It's just it's just awesome right now, man. It's awesome to watch Joe Brady go to work. And I hope he, I just hope he can keep it going, right? Because yeah. each week, there's more film that comes out, right? Exactly. And, and the teams just get a bigger sample size of how to stop Joe Brady's offense. So, you know, he's been great so far. The secret now is you have to keep it going, right? You can't let it stop. Um, yeah. It's as important as ever in the the thick of a playoff race here. Yeah. So. Anything that you wanted to touch on there with with um, the game and or Joe Brady or McDermott or anything there, Jake? No, man, you covered it. It was an exciting game to watch. Uh, kept the playoff hopes alive, and they're looking to continue that uh, traveling west this weekend, right? Yeah. So, so let's let's. Are we looking on, against the Chargers? Let's let's touch on the playoff situation real quick because I still feel like majority of people. Um, are under the impression that the best way for the Bills to make the playoffs is through the wild card. And I couldn't disagree more, dude. Like the standings right now around that wild those wild card positions are so log jammed that like I don't want to see us have to like that route just requires so much out of the Bills control to go right. Right? And that's what I don't love. Truthfully, dude, I think Oh man, I'm getting like hyped thinking about it. I think the best way is is through the division by winning the division. And so let's let's map a couple of things out here, dude. The Dolphins, their remaining three games, they have to play the Cowboys, they have to play the Ravens, they have to play the Bills. Those are the three remaining games that they have. Okay, I. Pity the fool that has to play against Dallas after we just kicked the shit out of them, first and foremost, right? I think, objectively, Dak Prescott is the better quarterback than Tua Tungavailoa. And I think, um, oh yeah, here's the icing on the cake for me. I saw several tweets today out of uh, Dolphins practice. Not a single starter on the offensive line was able to practice today. Wow. So Good luck stopping Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons with your backups, dude. This game right now is shaping up to be a problem for Miami. And, oh, yeah, if this one isn't, good luck beating the goddamn Baltimore Ravens next week, dude. Week 18 is shaping up to be a win and in, lose, and go home matchup between the Bills and the Dolphins, dude. Because, and I'm knocking on wood, right? The Bills have, we, we got through the, what I thought was going to be the toughest point, which is the Cowboys, right? You've got the Chargers, which we're going to talk about that because I have some concerns about that game. Have the Patriots, okay, yeah, we lost to them this season, but it was, you know, a, a Bills team that I, didn't, that I don't recognize, right? It's not the Bills team that exists right now. And again, knocking on wood one more time. <laughs> but, and then you have, um, you have the Dolphins, week 18. And is that in Miami? It is in Miami, yes. But it's, I mean, yeah, it's in Miami. That matters. I'm not going to dance around that. That matters. That that crowd's not going to be no joke in that game. But Bills Mafia travels. You know, I'm not. Of course, it's not yeah. going to be. It's not going to be like 90 10. Um, but I don't know, man. Like we went out and the Dolphins dropped one of those games, which I'm going to be honest, dude. They could drop two. Like they could drop two. So in the scenario that they drop one of those games, say say they lose to the Cowboys, beat the Ravens, and then go to play Buffalo. Buffalo needs to beat the Chargers, beat the Patriots to, in order to have that be a meaningful game. Correct. Right? Yep. If Buffalo drops either of those games against the Chargers or Patriots, then the whole argument kind of becomes void. Right? Well, if we drop one of those games, we would just need to pray and hope that the Dolphins also lose to both Dallas and... Um, Actually, the Ravens. I don't even think that would matter because there's still two games ahead of us right now. 
So we have to make up ground. Yeah. So, so but, we, we okay. We so we had, no, I'm I'm still right. If we drop one of those games, Miami can still lose both, and then Week 18 is the exact same scenario. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But but win and you have less of a need to rely on other teams to help you get there. Exactly. Exactly. All right. The Bills. Let's let's the Bills just have to fucking win. You have to take care of your own business, right? Yeah. You lose 100%. to the Chargers or the Patriots. You don't deserve to go to the playoffs anyway. <laughs> That's a fair right? point. Which is going to be yeah. a horribly tough pill to swallow if that happens. And I'm knocking on wood again. Which um, we'll ignore that game earlier in the season. Yeah, I, I'm willing to. With the way this team is playing right now, I, it seemed to be that Ken Dorsey was was the problem. In truth, yes. Like, so 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 far, the evidence is is pointing that way. It yeah. seems to be right. So things are like the like the vibes are just better. Josh Allen's smiling. Stefan Diggs is smiling. You know, the vibes are just the vibes are just better. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these, these next couple Dolphins games, man, we are, we immediately Plays, became uh... massive Cowboys fans and we <laughs> are soon to become massive Ravens fans. We yeah. just need them to drop one of those games and we have to win out, dude. And then we control our own fate, which is a fucking awesome place to be. That's where you want to be. Yeah. Don't need to rely on other teams. Um, so, so talk to me about our own fate. What do the bills face as they go into LA on Saturday evening at 8 PM? Yeah. So I'll start with my, I'll start with my cons. Well, uh, I'll just mention a couple other things first. Um, good, good things for the bills. No, or uh, excuse me. No, Justin Herbert. He, he can't go. He's hurt. Um, Easton stick is starting. He's not great to, to put it um, lightly. Also, currently, without their starting center, he got put on IR this week. So, he their starting center is not going to go. Hello, Ed Oliver. Um, however, this does feel a little bit like a Bills trap game to me, and here's why. Brandon Staley got fired, right? An interim coach is going to be coming in. I can't imagine – Brandon Staley lost that team so many games in the last handful of years just based on terrible – game management decisions, right? I can't imagine there's a single player in that locker room that is actively heartbroken that he's gone. Teams typically get a little bit of a, a bump in their in their mojo when you fire a coach like that and you bring an interim guy in. So we have to consider that. Like the Cowboys, and I just mentioned it with the Cowboys going against the Dolphins, they got abs- they got the shit absolute Excuse me. They got the shit absolutely kicked out of them. Um, so they're going to be looking to come back a little bit. So you got the fact that they got spanked last weekend and they got their coach that they probably didn't have a ton of love for fired. Okay. And you add into that mix, Buffalo has to travel. Buffalo typically doesn't love to go west. So there's a couple ingredients here that have me concerned. I'm not panicking, I'm not predicting the Bills to lose. But it's on my radar as things that like, and this is this is my jaded drought fanship coming out. Like in, during the drought, dude, those things would spell an automatic loss for the Bills. Yeah. They're not they're not that team anymore. I don't think that's going to happen. Knocking on wood. Um, but they're things that are on my radar and they're concerning me. Put that aside. Khalil Mack is a problem, right? Derwin James, for my money, is the best safety in the league. Austin Eckler is a top five running back. And Asante Samuel Jr. is an insane cornerback right now. So there are some players that we need to be concerned with, right? We can't get complacent with the run game, right? We just stuffed Tony Pollard for the most part this past Sunday. Have to keep that energy up against Austin Eckler because he's been struggling a little bit lately, but that dude can absolutely break a game wide open. He's insane. Yeah, don't let him off the mat. Nope. You handle Khalil Mack just like you did Micah Parsons. Derwin James is a ball hawk and hits like a freight chain. You have to be careful of him. And Asante Samuel Jr., like I said, no joke. Very good player. So there are some players on that Chargers team that are no joke and are upper echelon in the league for sure. Is it going to be enough to stop the Bills? I don't think so. It shouldn't be. shouldn't be enough. You go in there and you just play your game. You're gonna you're gonna beat the Chargers, but you have to be careful of that trap stuff that I called. Absolutely, um, and just t- like you said, take care of business. Yeah, just handle your business, man. Play your game. Um, if I'm if I were to throw out a prediction for that game, I still think Buffalo's in a let's make a statement mode. 
I'll say 35-13. Okay. 35-13 Bills. I'm going to I'm going to take the vote of confidence in the boys and just assume that they're going to keep handling business the way that they have these last several games that Joe's Brady that Joe Brady's been calling the plays. You got a prediction? I'll go I'll go I, I agree with you. I think they take care of business. Uh, I agree with you that it might be a trap game. I'll go 31 31-10. 10 Cool. Awesome. So we're pretty similar there. Yeah. What about not taking care of their own business? Who do we need a little bit of nudging from in the matchups this week? Yeah. Take, take me through that. So I picked what I believe to be the most prevailing matchups um, that influence the Bills this week. Um, so obviously, Bills versus Chargers, we want us to win. Um, we're dying, dying for the Cowboys or the Dolphins. Um, this is a weird one, Bengals and Steelers. I we The Steelers lost. They have the worst record. I want to, We want the Steelers to, to beat the Bengals. Going to be a tough go. The Bengals, even with Jake Browning, look pretty hot right now. But um, Colts-Falcons, we would probably want to see the Falcons win that game. Um, Browns versus Texans, want to see the Texans win that game if I'm me. Um, Seahawks and Titans, you want to see the Seahawks beat the team in the AFC. Jags and Bucks, you want to see the Buccaneers beat the Jags. Patriots-Broncos, we want to see the Patriots beat the Broncos. Raiders and Chiefs, um, we want to see the Raiders beat the Chiefs. Just because fuck the Chiefs, Giants and Eagles. Um, we'd love to see. Actually, I think we'd love to see the Eagles win this game, only because we want to have that strength of schedule look. Um, since we lost to the Eagles, we want everyone to think the Eagles are really good. Danny Coldcuts is hot though. Yeah, he sure is, dude. Sure is. And then uh, Ravens, 49ers, probably want to see. This game doesn't matter a ton because both teams have such better records than us. Um, the one of the big points with this one. You could get some decent film out on how the 49ers choose to play against a mobile quarterback. And there's absolutely a world where the Super Bowl could be the Bills and the 49ers. So that film could come in handy down the road. Um, so those are the big rooting interests for the Bills this week. That's not all the games, but there are some games that I just didn't even bother to talk about because I don't think they matter at all for the Bills. Um, I think that about covers it, bro. Just, yeah, for the, for the matchup against the Chargers, take care of business. Be careful of the trap shit. Watch those players that I mentioned. You know, keep the running game hot. I'd love to see not us. I'd love to see us not just re- go right back to relying on Josh Allen to win everything for us. And yeah, dude, go handle your shit. Plain and simple. Take care of business. Yep. Take care of business. All right. What do you think? Do we have time for a quick game, or should we get out of here? Um, how long is the game gonna take? Five minutes or less. Ah, fuck it. Let's do it. All right. I got a game for you. You're gonna guess. The Bills player from any point in history. Okay. And you can ask me 10 yes or no, 20 question style questions about that player to get to the right answer. Okay. And no, I did not pick one from like 1972 that you've never heard of or anything like that. Okay. Like, I, th- I think you'll be able to get there. But yeah. Oh, you're giving me a lot of credit, dude. I am I'm notoriously <laughs> bad with the trivia stuff, so we'll see. So I got I got stats and and bios open. So to ask me any question you want about this player and try to narrow down to who it is. Okay. Okay. Um is it a Bills player? Well, I'll start offense or defense. Offense. Offense. Okay. Um a player that is currently on the roster. No. Okay. Um let's see. Um, I'm trying to think of how I want to phrase my questions in a clever way here. Um, skill player or lineman? Skill player. Okay. Um, let's see. Have they been on the team in the last five years? No. Okay. <laughs> this is already good. That's good. That's going to be a problem. Um, <laughs> all right. Wide receiver. Yes. Okay. Um, is it a wide receiver that was a part of the four falls of Buffalo? No. Okay. You're honing in on the time range. <laughs> um, a wide receiver during the drought. Yes. Okay. Um, you got three more. Yep, three more. Would you say this wide receiver was considered... Um, this is this might be a bit a bit of a subjective question, kind of tough to ask. I'll try it anyway. Would you consider this wide receiver one of our better wide receivers during the drought? Yeah, 
nah, not not horrible, but not 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 like uh, yeah, he he was decent, I would say. He's he's got some decent looking numbers that I'm seeing, but he's not like yeah, yeah, he's yes. Uh, sorry, I don't want to mislead you. Yeah, he was he was pretty solid. Okay. I uh I thought I knew who it was, and then that one kind of threw me off a little bit. Um do I have two I have two questions left? You can ask me, yeah, two questions left. You can ask me anything you want about this player to help. I'm trying to think of what would help me limit it down. That's the problem. I can't even think of I can't even think of that many drought wide receivers, which is gonna be the problem. Um <laughs> You haven't asked me about jersey number or draft position. If that would help you, just oh. not trying to lead the witness. But can I just can I just ask what his what his number was? Yeah, for sure. Okay, what was his number? This is probably isn't going to help me actually. Eighty three. One more question. I absolutely One more to help you narrow it in because I don't remember even the great <laughs> ones like Stevie Johnson. I don't remember their jersey numbers. Um. <laughs> Was it a was it a first rounder? It was. I'll even give you the year to help. It's probably not gonna. It was a first round pick, thirteenth overall in the two thousand and four entry draft. Sammy Watkins. Ooh, close, but no. Shit. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, who was it? We are talking about Mr. Lee Evans. Lee Evans. God damn it! I should have known that. Fuck. Oh, well, anyways, so no good too. Yeah, right. No, I didn't want to mislead. He he had some good seasons. Sammy sure. Watkins was, was also bowler. like 14, I think. That was a dumb guess. Fuck. God damn it. Well, well, anyways, thanks for playing. Who's that, Bill? Yeah, dude. Oh, fuck. Tom, Tom will be good at that one. I'm, I'm going to lose that one every time, dude. My 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 trivia with the Bills is so, like, as big a fan as I am, there are probably people that will never listen to this podcast ever again after that. <laughs> well, we'll play it again with Tom next week. But to wrap it up, thank you everyone from the bottom of our hearts for spending a little bit of time with us. It would mean, oh, technical difficulties, technical difficulties. We don't have exit music. Um, (laughs) Anyways, it would mean a lot to us if you would share an episode. Give us a like. Give us a follow on Instagram and X at Let's Go Buff Pod with two Fs. This is my pal Nigel. I'm Jake. Shout out to our Tom, uh, our Tom pal, our Tom preparing pal. for Christmas, <laughs> and you're listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast. We're sending you love wherever you are. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Go Bills, Go Sabers. Let's go Buffalo. <laughs>